if as a brand you can find communities that want to connect or have value in connection, that's that's powerful. I'm Eric Fulweiler, and this is Scratch, bringing you marketing lessons from the leading brands and brains rewriting the rulebook from scratch for the world of today. Hey everyone, my conversation today is with James Kidd, the Chief Marketing Officer for Zero. So you've probably heard of Zero. They are a SaaS online business accounting tool founded in 2006, originally in New Zealand, which is where James joins us from. So it's very early days here in London and uh, late uh, where he is in New Zealand. But uh, we were able to make it work. And so Zero Now has over 3,500 employees, over 2 million subscribers. We talk a little bit about the marketing team that James has. He's got 150 people on his marketing team. And so we touch on a few different things. We go into a recent campaign that they did called the Behind Small Business Campaign, how they did it, uh, how they created content that in my opinion is, is actually pretty engaging for the topic that it tries to cover. And what we really focus on in the conversation, and as I'm taking a step back now and thinking about it, we talk about how you find and bring out the humanity in the marketing content and messaging that you create. On the creative side, how they created these videos, how they got these people to tell a more interesting and differentiated story. But we spent a lot of time, and this is what I love about James having done a couple conversations like this with him. We focus on the human side and the culture side of the team and the ecosystem that he's built internally. How do you get 150 people plus the partners they work with all clear and aligned on what matters, the purpose of the brand, how they wanna go about doing things and finding these human insights in the work that we do. So I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you do too. Please enjoy. All right, James, it's so good to see you again. Thank you for joining me all the way from New Zealand. Uh, good evening. How are you? Hey, Eric. Good morning to you and really great to see you again. Look, I'm good. I'm good since we last did one of these. Um, a lot's happened in the world, but feeling pretty good, you know. it's um, It's been changing times, but but everything's still going okay. Amazing. Yeah, it's all about keeping things in perspective, isn't it? Okay. So James, I was really looking forward to this because I know we haven't spent a lot of time together, but the last uh, chat that we had for the FinTech Marketing Podcast when I was at 11FS, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I really enjoyed your perspective on things, the way you approach things, and of course, the work that you and the team are doing for Zero. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot to talk about. I'd love to just get into it. I would imagine most of our audience knows Zero, but maybe you can just give kind of a quick overview on on you, introduce yourself and kind of your career and what brought you to zero. Yeah, well, um, hi everyone, Grad. glad to be with you today, wherever you are and whatever time it is. Look, James Kidd, I'm a, um, I guess a marketer by profession. Through my career, which is sort of 25 years old now, the focus has been in marketing roles with some time in strategy and sales. Um, and I've always gravitated back to marketing because I love the, the challenges of holding, driving immediate performance for a business together with longer term growth permission, which I think marketing has a huge role to play in creating for an organization. And then the fact that marketing, you have to be able to really straddle those 
those data points and those objective facts which drive um, decisions you make with some kind of innate understanding of human nature and behavior. And I think great marketers can hold those two things together and use those to guide what they're doing. So I, I love those, holding that all together um, for me has been a really stimulating and um, rewarding time for me in my career. So that's kind of what I do. And I was lucky enough four and a half years ago to join this amazing company, which was founded in New Zealand, is now um, working with customers in well over 100 countries around the world called Zero. And effectively, Zero provides small business software um, for businesses that are small and growing to run their business, their accounting, their cash flow, and many, many other things. And one of the great things about Zero, founded 14 years ago, we were born on the cloud. So we have an incredible ecosystem of over a thousand applications which plug in to Zero itself, over 300 financial services partners as well. So there's a massive amount of business value that uh, we can bring to our small business customers uh, every day, uh, anywhere in the world. Amazing. And going back to what you were saying about kind of holding it all together, I, you know, I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday, and this is something I'm thinking about and talking about a lot. I think that great marketing combines what I would call the art and the science of the human side of things, but also the business side of things. I think you have plenty of organizations, marketers, marketing teams that are more one than the other. But I would imagine, and let me know what you think about this, part of the role of the CMO or the marketing leader is to kind of take stock of where the organization and the team is in that balance and try to bring maybe what's lacking or the opportunity for what, you know, if you can create more of one or the other to create that balance. Um, so I love that. And I know that you, you know, knowing you a little bit and seeing some of the stuff that you put out there, also seeing your LinkedIn bio, passionate about human brands and our changing world. You know, it seems like you really come at things from the the human side of things. I actually think that that comes out in the work as well, which we're going to talk about. But is that something that you, or how do you purposefully think about holding it all together when it comes to the day-to-day and the week-to-week of how you're building your team and going about these campaigns? Well, yeah, great question. Um, a lot to unpack there. Um, I think firstly, uh, at, at, at a strategic level or a um, information level as you're absorbing information in your teams are, there is lots of data out there. You've got to be hungry and passionate about the data. Um, but then then alongside that is, is the curiosity. So what sits behind the data and what drives that data? And for me, the answer that can unlock a lot of insight is what's the human thinking or behavior that's driving that data? Because data is simply representing some kind of behaviors or wants or desires. So that's how I kind of square that circle. It's like trying to get those human insights out of data wherever you're presented with data. And for me, that helps a lot. Um, You can't always explain it. And sometimes you still have to go on your observations or insights, which are beyond just the data. Um, I think, you know, we, we talk about that as humans, as, as gut. Um, but I think as we, we mature as, as business leaders, we realize gut's a lot more innate than just some instinctive reaction. It's your, all your senses and knowledge coming together. So I think, you know, being comfortable at 
feeling something in your gut, getting curious about it and trying to unpack it is really, really key. And um, and it's with your teams too, helping them to do that, discover that um, and try and hold the two in balance um, is really key. Um, and, you know, I do see this a lot today where teams are chasing numbers, performance and outcomes. Um, you can tend to get quite mechanicized into the data and what's in front of you and not asking those deeper questions. So I think one of the things as a leader you've got to always be doing is bringing it back to either data or humans, depending on where teams are on that spectrum. Yeah. And, you know, the concept of balance, sometimes I think that can bring up this idea of like you find the perfect level and then you just stick there. But it's actually more of a constant calibration at least in my experience, is thinking about standing on a balance beam, for example, like it's impossible to just completely fix yourself. You're always kind of trying to rebalance things, take stock um, and, and figure out how to kind of stay on that beam. So I think that I'm sure that we will talk more about this yeah. as we dig into uh, this campaign that you all did recently, but the Behind Small Business campaign. So can you give just kind of a quick overview of what it is and then what was the business problem you were trying to solve at the start of concepting and briefing in this campaign? Yeah, look, so this this campaign is almost more of a, an ethos and how we work now rather than simply some kind of marketing campaign or logo. In fact, you won't really see it as a, a logo or a campaign expression in the business now. But it, it really was an observation. It comes back to our purpose, which is benefiting small businesses and the communities and the advisors that work with small businesses. It was, you know, how do we keep showing that we're behind small business in meaningful ways beyond just saying it in a marketing campaign, which, you know, is so easy to do, but but doesn't resonate fully. So we said, what are some of the things we can do that really are going to demonstrate that? And that's the kind of a nexus of the insight and what behavior has come from there and driven how this has come to life in many different ways. And I have to say, it it really um, took on a strength of life when, when we entered this COVID pandemic period last year, when we said, gee, now's, now's a time more than ever that we can, we can really express this and look at how we do it. So it's a range of things now, Eric, from sharing small businesses' stories about how they've gone through an arc of challenge and triumph, or perhaps more in COVID times, there's a lot of pivoting and, you know, um, adjusting models that have gone on. As businesses do that, they go through similar challenges of, of feeling perhaps daunted or confronted through to realizing they might have options through to empowering themselves to take an option and find out what happens. And again, if we can start to tell and share some of those stories, it empowers people and encourages them when they're going through that process to keep going or to start. So that's been a really important part of it um, to begin with, but it's led to all sorts of things we've done as a business to support our customers in the community. Um, you know, and to roll off a couple of examples of that is um, as we entered the pandemic, we realised there's things we could adjust in our product or code that would really help small businesses maybe get government assistance or understand their cash flow situation better. So literally we coded things up to support customers and deliver what they really needed in that early times of the pandemic. Um, 
It also um, led to an insight that as a larger business, we're only 4,000 people, right? But but compared to a small growing business, we're, we're big now. We have all this access to help and support um, that we take for granted, whether it's knowledge and insights from our data, whether it's support for people with mental well-being and, thing, and things like that. So we've actually taken some of these and just shared them with abundance to our community. Insights, data, knowledge, even mental support for businesses that are struggling in some of our markets. So that's kind of what, what it's become. And, and again, as we, we were kicking off here talking about instinct, it's how do we just keep perpetuating that rather than perhaps fully managing it or controlling it and making sure it's a guiding, guiding light in what we do. And how do you, so 4,000 people, how, how big is the marketing team? We've got a marketing team of over 150 people now globally. Yeah. So, so that's a bit, that's a big team. How do you think about, you know, you've got a very clear purpose to the brand and obviously a very clear point of view and direction on how you want to deliver that through marketing from you. How do you keep 150 people? And I would imagine there's some change and new people coming in and all that stuff. How do you keep everybody clear and aligned on what that is so that they are always pushing for finding those answers in the same way that you just mentioned? Yeah, that's that's a really good question, and I got it's got to start with just revisiting and going back to that purpose on a on a regular basis. You know, it's got to be top of mind as we start projects, as we work through projects. So the job's never done in terms of reinforcing the purpose and the values that inform our purpose, and we we have some pretty well grounded and dearly held values. Um, just always trying to live them. And I think as a leader, it doesn't matter whether you're in marketing or any other part of a business, if you if you want to aspire to have some values, then then just holding yourself to account with them and living them all the time, you've got to do. And that's not easy. That's not easy at all. So those are things you've got to start with. I think then um, you've got to have an attitude of teams need to learn and experiment with that thought or that direction. So rather than try to manage it and curate it all, I think it's definitely important to encourage curiosity and experimentation and exploration and not expect it all to come out right, not expect it all to work, but um, to allow teams to you know, play with it and perhaps own it or take it in some different directions. And then, then make sure we reflect on what's happened and learn. So I think if you can do those things, you can make it something that's alive and keeps evolving versus becoming some kind of hard rule book or playbook, which frankly, if you're hiring great people that want to be creative and make a difference, I think becomes becomes a, a disempowering kind of way to stay aligned. It's really the difference between culture and process, right? So you think of the quote of culture eats strategy for breakfast, or one of the things that I like to say is process is a crutch for when culture is broken. And sometimes you do need that crutch. You need that scaffolding in order to scale culture, especially if there's a lot of change or, you know, you have a lot of people coming in and coming out. But um, I think everything you're saying to me, a lot of what I hear is you focus on embedding it in the culture so that people are really ingrained in it, engaged in it, bought into it, and can kind of use it dynamically as opposed to dictating exactly what it needs to be. Yeah, exactly. Wield it rather than um, follow it. Yeah, 
for sure. So coming back to the campaign, one of the things that really stood out to me looking at some of these videos is the the people. I mean, so we'll include some of these in the show notes and people really should go watch them because they're not the typical, you know, testimonial of, hey, I use zero. I'm a small business owner. Like the humanity, to go back to what we were talking about before, you know, trying to find a way to piece together everything that's in my head right now. But I think to what you were talking about, where it's really about the insight, not the data, and it's about the human, not the statistic, I think that really comes through in this. These are clearly not just people that you found that kind of checked the box of who you wanted to put in front of the camera. They're really interesting and engaging. And you see that it's Ade and David. It's not just a small business owner in the UK. Um, so one, I think it's really interesting and engaging and great. And two, how did you go about, like, did, was that part of the thought process intentionally? And how did you go about the casting and the creative process to make the content come out the way it did? Yeah, yeah. Look, so I think it, it comes back to that conversation we had a bit earlier or started on the observations around humans and what it is to be a human and what it is to be a human running a small business. Um, and, you know, I think um, that that's full of ups and downs or good days and bad days as we comment on some of these stories. Um, it's days when you feel like things are going well and you're feeling confident and then it's other days when it feels like it, it's falling apart and you lose confidence or you've, you've just got to push through. That's, that's the human, you know, the human existence in many, many ways. And it's no different in small business. So we just felt it would be so much more relatable to celebrate that and recognize that rather than turn it into perfect Instagram moments, if you like. Um, and the interesting thing about this, of course, is it follows a, a great technique for storytelling or, or even advertising, which is the story arc of challenge, struggle through to, through to realization and triumph. And it's really a version of that. It's, it's that simple in some ways, but rather than turning it into the big story, it's taking it to the human level and recognizing the humans in these stories and how they feel and how they went through it. And then you're right. So with that, and with a company like Zero, look, we've got over 3 million customers now. And what I love about the small business economy is it epitomizes diversity. Anyone can try and start a small business and have a go. So the diversity of our customer base in the small business economy is just beautiful. I think it's the color in our world. It's the humanity in our world so often. And so... Therefore, it's not easy to find just great stories that are those real humans, not those Instagram kind of moments. So that that was kind of the, the way it rolled almost, and it was very natural to find lots of those stories and then just pick some lovely ones to tell. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. I just wanted to take a quick moment to tell you a bit more about our partnership with Attest. As you know, Rival has partnered with Attest, a powerful consumer research platform, to start producing our own proprietary research, and you'll hear more about that soon. We actually had our team onboarding and full demo of the Attest platform last week, and 
it was pretty impressive, I have to say. I, I genuinely mean that. I think for those of you who know me, you know that I wouldn't say that if it wasn't true. Um, and we wouldn't have a partner like Attest on this podcast and associated with our brand if we weren't behind the platform they were building and the value that it can deliver. So I genuinely do think that if you are looking for uh, insights, if you're looking for research, if you're looking for ways to remove the guesswork from your business growth, please do head on over to attest.com. Here you can run a free survey to access 110 million consumers in 49 markets around the world. So I want to... I want to double click on one of the, you know, the big thing that we're talking about here, because the sense that I'm getting and you see it in the work, but hearing you talk like clearly the human insight is such a foundation to what you do. I'd love to take it down to the tactical level. And if you can share a little bit more about the process, if there is one, uh, the structure, whether it's internal roles or external partners, like how do you create an ecosystem that is able to like search for those insights, find those inf- insights, mm-hmm. and then integrate them into the creative process such that you can build campaigns like this. And I also wanted to call out um, one of the other campaigns that we found that we really liked was the emotional tax return that yeah. you did, I think it was in Australia. That's and true. one, it's really funny, and I can definitely relate. And two, in the um, article that talked about this campaign, and maybe you can just mention what it is briefly because you'll do a better job than I, but uh, it talks about, to shine a light on some of the hidden emotional costs being felt by small business owners, we conducted a survey. The results revealed that two-thirds of people running a small business claim the last 12 months have been more emotionally draining compared to the previous years. I can definitely relate and confirm <laughs> that I'm part of that statistic. But you know, you're running surveys. And so you know, it's obviously more than that. But maybe you can open up the hood for a minute on the machine that generates these insights for you and the team. Yeah, yeah. So look, I think this comes back again to to culture um, and what we value as a company. It's not just the marketing or communications teams that I work with so often. It's right across the business that that awareness and knowledge of of the human side of business, the real human costs, um, and being open and aware to that. And so one of the things that I think is really key here is we work hard in terms of creating a climate and organizational where an organization where people feel psychologically safe and we even talk about bringing your whole self to work because if you allow people to be open to that and feel safe in that environment i think you start to become more attuned to it and see it and look for it elsewhere so i think that's a really big part of it eric being being part of our ethos and our culture to have that um, safety and recognition of almost the human state as being, being who we are and a good thing. And, and that creates then lots of conversations that we have with our customers all the time. You know, we, we have a, a, a team of people, 4,000 staff, that will ask customers and partners, how are you doing? And they'll mean it at a deeper, more genuine level than, than many humans still do when you ask that question. In fact, often you don't want the answer, right? You, you don't know how to handle an honest answer. I think we've, we've created a better attuneness to that. And so I think from that, from creating that ability to share and openness, it, it comes back and it, it, 
it becomes easy to evoke it from from customers, partners, and our own people. Great. Yeah, and I think um, you know, oftentimes when we try to talk about the tactical realities of something, it's easy to say, "Oh, I've got this research agency," or "I've got this weekly meeting," but the real answer, the thing that will really unlock the value is exactly what you're talking about. It's getting the culture right, getting people clear and aligned on, hey, this is a priority to then give them the freedom to figure out the way to do that in whatever their you know day-to-day and week-to-week brings up. Yeah, yeah. So how is um how, how did the campaign do for you? I, I mean, it's one of the things I always think about is, you know, we can have as an outsider, I can have a perspective or anybody can have a perspective of like, I think this campaign's great. This is really interesting. It's really engaging, but you know, really marketing exists to drive the growth of the business at the end of the day. So to the extent that you can talk about it, how did the campaign do for the business? And Mm -hmm. how do you kind of measure those results from something like this? Sure. So I think we do, you know, we use some of the measures you would expect as a, a marketing professional in terms of things like brand growth, brand understanding, and then how that moves through into a, a acquisition funnel. So we, we definitely look at all of that pretty closely um, and understand the impact. And look, we've, we felt pretty good about the growth that we've been able to achieve um, over the last um, periods. However, I think there's there's a more um, there's a more subtle set of measures that you need to look at, and it is around um, how it makes our people feel, how it makes our communities, customers, and partners feel connected to our brand and different about our brand. So I I spend a lot of time looking at how different are we, and how do we feel, and and um, do we get a different kind of reaction, a depth of reaction. So we look at that a lot. And then, you know what, I, I try not to dissect that too much by every campaign. I think it becomes how you show up in a whole lot of spheres. So that's something I look at as a body of work, if you like, over a period of time. Um, and look, we, we're we always learning, but I think we we feel like we're getting that balance pretty okay at the moment and over the last couple of years. And what's the um, what's kind of the internal dynamic when it comes to the C-suite or the board? How how do they ask questions of you when it comes to proving, you know, the return on the investment that you're making in marketing or kind of the efficacy of the work you're doing? Is that because I think it's so interesting? You know, every marketer uh, deals with that to a certain extent, but oftentimes the kind of DNA and perspective of the C-suite can be very different. And so you can be in an organization where um, it's much more aligned than you can be in an organization where it's a constant struggle day to day just to invest anything in really marketing, but brand marketing, anything that's not short-term return. So I'd imagine, you know, knowing the brand the way I do and seeing the work you're doing, you have support to do that. But I'd be curious if you could touch on that element of your role when it comes to kind of stakeholders and, um, uh, you know, managing expectations and, and proving results to them. Yeah. Look, it's on my mind. I think I work in an environment in a business where, um, the, the values understood. So it's not like I need to walk into rooms to explain my existence or my existence or my teams. And I know that's not the case for, 
for all uh, marketers, but what, what we can't let marketers do is fall into that as their constant, you know, mental state. So um, if you understand that that's, that's, there's value there, there's inherent value there, then it's um, how do we measure that and what are we going to really stick by in terms of some key measurements that we create that dialogue around. So we've done that in a few ways at a measurement level which is um, set up a framework for measuring experiences of our customer throughout their life cycle, and those become true, true north measures. Um, we call it JEDI, Journey, Experience, Data and Insights. Um, but it is, it is how we really say, are we delivering a great experience right through the engagement? Um, and that's really seeking to attach marketing to sales, to onboarding to education to support and product experience in a holistic way because I think it's really dangerous if you unpack it into all the little elements and try to atomize them um, too much just like as a marketer I think if you try to atomize each individual tactic or dollar spend you're never really looking at the whole picture so um, we look at that holistic view and then I do constantly look at challenge with my team and ask the question of are we getting the balance right between areas where we're deliberately driving a performance outcome versus more of a brand engagement or brand difference outcome and we we're always learning we we're always understanding how they relate to each other and how they move the other thing um so we when we talk about that with our stakeholders the other thing we do is, is as i said earlier along the spirit of psychological safety is we do try new things. Emotional tax return, we, we didn't know how that would work uh, and how it would be received, but we knew there was something in it in terms of emotional tax and taxation. So let's, let's see how it resonates and put it out there. And so what I'd ask of our leadership group and what I would always do in terms of um, um, myself with my leaders is is understand if it's going well or not and then learn from it, but never try to um, try to pull any individual thing out and make it a failure. It's either a win or a learn, um, and people should feel good always about trying new things and trying those, those different experiments, whether on a large campaign format style or a behavior that we might try to accentuate or a particular activation. One of the things that I think about a lot is the trajectory of learning, because actually how smart you are or how good something is in a moment in time matters much less than the trajectory of whether you're getting smarter, whether you're getting better. And I think that's one of the things that you see in successful organizations or successful organizations that are able to uh, grow effectively is that they constantly get smarter with what they do. And a lot of that, I'm sure, comes down to the culture, as we've been talking about. But I think it's also really interesting if you don't have that culture right now, or if you want to accelerate the existence of that culture, to put in place some processes of asking, what did we learn from this campaign? What's the hypothesis that we want to test with this? So that you're not just doing the work, but you're purposefully and intentionally getting the learnings from everything that you do. So, James, clearly what you've been doing is working, uh, not just because I think the zero business is doing pretty well these days, but also you were named a breakthrough brand by Interbrands last year. So congratulations. Would love to hear 
exactly what that means, being a breakthrough brand, and um, what that's meant to you as well. Yeah, well, thanks. And look, it's not my thanks to receive or recognition to receive. It's really the sum of so much of what the business has done across a period of time. But I will say, as a team, we are particularly humbled and proud to to be recognized in this way because I think what a breakthrough brand suggests is a brand that is doing things a bit differently and, and breaking out of a mold or, you know, transitioning the way uh, the category is looked at. So that's kind of one of the things we do want to do here at Zero. We we want to be challenges for, for our purpose, for small businesses and the economy. And so, you know, that, that was great recognition. And I think what, what it is when you look at some of the ways Interbrand looks at breakthrough brands is how have they really done things different in their category or evolved a category. And so for us, there were a few things that, that came through. One was definitely remodeling the category. We were, you know, early, early to the cloud in terms of small business software. So it was inherent in our business model and what we were doing to um, change the category. And that's that in itself is a really powerful part of the story and, and has very little to do what, with what marketing did itself or my teams have done. Um, it was the, the vision of the founder and, and why we do what we do. But underneath that and underpinning that, there's some other elements that I think you'll see in a lot of breakthrough brands. Um, one is creating a really strong following. Loyalty, but I think it's more than loyalty. It's a passionate following, uh, maybe a, a movement amongst a core group or community. And that's something certainly we feel we've done at zero to a great extent with accountants and bookkeepers. Because while our software benefits small businesses massively, what it really does is help it make it so easy for an accountant or bookkeeper to work with a small business and help them be a more successful small business by using cloud software. So we really embraced accountants and bookkeepers showed them a lot of love and gave them more confidence and more tools to do a better job with their clients. And I really feel like that that paid back to us massively and we keep paying that forward to our community to the extent that, you know, we we run some pretty large events um, globally we call ZeroCon, which is really a celebration of that accounting and bookkeeper community and trying to make sure they feel part of something really special and big, um, that is what they do every day, but part of something bigger globally in terms of really championing the small business economy. So I think that 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 movement, that sense of a really passionate community is really key. Um, I think one of the other things for us has been sort of generosity to the community and the customers you serve beyond a traditional, I would say, brand or corporate mentality. And, you know, we touched on some of that earlier, Eric. We, we've done things like shared our knowledge and insights um, with abundance. Um, we have data and insights on how small businesses are performing and economies are performing. And we share that at an anonymized and aggregated level to government, to accountants, to small businesses. So they have more insights about what's happening and how we can support the small business economy. Um, you know, we do things like um, create content that supports directions we know businesses want to go in, 
like sustainability, and we recently launched a small business sustainability hub. So we just do a lot of things that I think are about open source generosity and giving to that community with no immediate expectation of return. And I think that's something that breakthrough brands just take a different mentality and look to. So I think those are some of the things we would like to think have helped us be recognized in that way. And we certainly think are well worth pursuing. So we have our rival marketing framework, which is essentially our uh, perspective on what it means to market like a challenger. And there's two halves to that. One half is the value mindset and one half is the agile model. And the agile model includes kind of intelligent deployment and constantly learning and iterating and all that stuff that we were talking about before. But in terms of the value model, I really believe that the brands that are winning, modern day challenger brands are focused on value as the North Star Mm -hmm. for a lot of what they do. And within that, when it comes to what we call building a human brand, there's three building blocks that we see within that. There's being purpose-driven, which we've touched on already. There's being customer-centric, and then there's being community-oriented. And I think that's the one, you hear a lot about purpose-driven and customer-centric, and I think you know that is ground well-covered. You still have to do it right and do it well. But I think community, especially outside of the fintech world, because community within fintech, Zero is, a, is an example people throw out all the time, as is Monzo, as are a couple other brands in that space. But I think that doesn't get talked about enough and hasn't yet been translated to a lot of other industries. And be curious to go read up on who these other breakthrough brands are, because I'd imagine that's a red thread. If you have a purpose that people can relate to, if you have a product and marketing message and brand that's truly focused on solving the problems that they have, and you create a platform or ecosystem around the brand for people to connect with each other and feel like they're part of something. Mm -hmm. I think that's a huge part of not just what brings people to the brand, but it also creates this kind of moat around it. Like once you're, it's a lot harder to leave a community than it is to stop using a product. Um, So I hadn't, you know, I obviously knew about ZeroCon and all the things that you've done for accountants and creating a community in that space, but it's great to see the connection between that and being recognized as a breakthrough brand and just what that means. Yeah, it's a great observation. It comes back to the human insight, right? As as humans, we do like to belong. Um, you know, if we took a, a kind of a global kind of uh, meta observation at the moment, there's, there's a lot of division or divisive um, forces in the world. But if as a brand, you can find communities that want to connect or have value in connection, that's that's powerful. And, um, you know, you go and explore it and see how you can add that value. I love your analogy, the analogy there of bringing value to the table. I, th- I think it works really well um, if, it's, if it's authentic. So, yeah, you can link it back to what you do and why you do it. And ZeroCon will finally be back in person next year. Next May, we're going May, May. In, um, in the United States. Yep. New Orleans. And look, we're really excited about that. I think it motivates us and our community to be together. And I think um, I keep hearing it from our community that they miss that and we miss it. So we're we're super energized to get the, I guess, get the band back together again, you might say, Eric. 
Amazing. Well, I'm sure you're already deep in planning and production for that. So, uh, James, I know that we're up on time, but it, this was great. It was great to see you again. Great to get into some of this stuff. Always enjoy hearing what you have to say and hearing the latest on what you've been up to. If people want to get in touch or find out more about what you're up to, where should they go? So, look, they can reach out to me on LinkedIn or on Twitter, and maybe we could put those um, those handles yep. into the, the contact details. Um, you know, really open to having a dialogue and a conversation. And then if you want to find out more about Zero, if you go to zerox.com, um, there's lots of information and visibility on what we're doing there that, you know, people will get a lot from if they care to check it out. Amazing. Well, James, thanks for making the time. Thanks for making the time zone work with me here in London. I really appreciate it. All good, Eric. It's been great to hang out with you again. Scratch is a production of Rival. We are a marketing innovation consultancy that helps businesses develop strategies and capabilities to grow faster. If you want to learn more about us, check out wearerival.com. If you want to connect with me, email me at eric at wearerival.com or find me on LinkedIn. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe, share with anyone you think might enjoy it, and please do leave us a review. Thanks for listening and see you next week.